Hi, and welcome to Happiness Through Hardship, the podcast. I'm Karen Sullivan, the founder of Pretty Wellness, a two-time breast cancer survivor thriving with stage four disease, and author of the cancer book and journal for patients and caregivers that shares the same name as this podcast, Happiness Through Hardship. I'm also a girl who wishes on pennies. I try to see the good in everything, even when life is not so great. But sometimes it takes a little more. And this podcast will provide you with what worked well for me. Success stories of people that have been through hard times and simple suggestions that brought hope, resources, and connections. I hope you've been able to catch our recent episodes where we've talked mystery illnesses with Dr. Bach and integrative nutrition with gorgeous Esther as well as mental wellness and IVF with Miami Heat sideline reporter Kristen Hewitt. Now, if you like these episodes, please do me a favor, rate, review, and subscribe. Your efforts truly will help this podcast get noticed and help us inspire more people. And now, for this episode, I am honored to introduce you to Brandy L. Benson, a U.S. Army veteran, Ewing sarcoma survivor, entrepreneur, and author of the book, The Enemy Inside Me. Brandy encourages people to take charge of their healing journey following trauma or any hardship. She shares the importance of mental health, resiliency, adaptability, and the beauty of being vulnerable. So please grab your favorite drink, get cozy, and let's get started. I am so honored to introduce you to Brandy Benson, a U.S. Army veteran, cancer survivor, entrepreneur, and author of the book, The Enemy Inside Me. Brandy encourages people to take charge of their healing journey following trauma or hardship. She shares the importance of mental health, resiliency, adaptability, and the beauty of being vulnerable. Brandy is the CEO of Resume Advantage, an employment service for both civilians and transitioning military veterans. She's also a board member for the Future Minds Literacy Program and the Ella Foundation, an organization working to aid those who've been affected by violence, mental illness, and the criminal justice system. Brandy has certainly found the happiness through all of her hardships, and I cannot wait for her to share her story with us. Brandy, welcome, welcome, welcome. I'm so excited you're here. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so honored to be here to share with my story with your with your viewers and your listeners. I'm super excited about this and very grateful. So thank you for the opportunity. Well, as I I will say to a lot of people, finding guests for the podcast is an adventure in its own. And it's so fun when you stumble upon someone that you had no idea existed, which, hey, in the digital space, there's so many people out there. And you mm-hmm. just like in a friend sort of way fall in love. Like you right. are such a warrior and, and like a beautiful, soulful warrior who has been through so much and yet yes. you're still sitting there with a smile and trying to give back to others because you know hardship, you mm-hmm. know like the depths of where it can take you, but you also know the power and how empowered you can be when you work yourself through it. So I want to toss the mic to you and I just would love for you to tell the listeners a bit about yourself and your story. Yeah. Okay. So my story goes back to 2009. That's originally where I 
was deployed in Iraq and I discovered a large lump in my leg. And at the time I had no clue what was going on, what it was. Um, I really thought that the the biggest of my worries was just the alarm system being able to go off because it was broken during the time. So when bombs and mortars would come onto our fob, we wouldn't know. Um, ahead of time, it's supposed to be alarm that comes on about 10 seconds prior to it landing, but that was broken. So I really thought my worries were just, you know, being alert and, and cognitive of what was going on around me. And little did I know I had something like festering inside of me that was literally like an enemy trying to take over my body and kill me which ended up being something called Ewing sarcoma cancer. And I always say to people, it's like the stealthiest, most lethal enemy ever because you never know what's really going on inside of the body. And I didn't know until it was kind of, you know, kind of late. So I was uh, diagnosed with Ewing sarcoma at the stage was 1B. And how old were you? I was 24 years old when I got diagnosed with cancer. Yes. So it's the first time away from my family. I'm in a war zone. I really didn't even accumulate enough student loan debt. I'm not really considered a college student, you know. So um, it was very shocking, very surreal. I was in a lot of denial about it. And when they first diagnosed me, they diagnosed me with the wrong type of cancer. (gasps) They said it was something called a nerve sheath tumor. And then I had to get another biopsy and, um, you know, going from different doctors to doctors. Now, and then finally, mind I'm you, sorry? you're going from different doctors to doctors. You're not mm-hmm. like me who could be like, oh, I'm going to drive down the street and go to urgent care. You're in Iraq. Like, exactly. Where do you go? Exactly. So I was in Iraq and I would have to get flown from different fobs in different areas. So I started out at, at a place called Fob Echo, which is 98 miles south of Baghdad. Then I went to Baghdad. And that's where I got a CT scan. And then I needed an MRI. So they flew me to Germany. And while on the plane or on this really huge look um, craft, I'm, you know, I still don't know what's going on. All I know is this. I'm really tired. I'm exhausted beyond belief. But I'm so excited and happy to be out of a war zone. So I don't have to worry about what's, you know, what's going on. If anybody's going to die, if I'm going to die, what's happening um, so I was really happy to get to Germany. It was kind of like a breath of fresh air. It was beautiful. It was picturesque. It was old, you know, a lot of history. So I was really excited to be there. I didn't know what was really going on with my body. Um, so I get to Germany. They give me the MRI. They tell me it's a tumor. And then I start discussing information with my mother and letting her know what's going on with me. Um, she was very worried, of course. And when we both find out, found out that it was a tumor, we kind of were dumbfounded. <laughs> and then we knew that this was something that's very, very serious, that, you know, this is not a game. And I thought I, I, I was just so naive. I was 24. I never met anybody with a tumor. I didn't know you could get cancer in your leg. I thought it was only like breast cancer, lung cancer, brain cancer, stomach cancer, like all the other cancers you learn about and you hear about and you see on TV. I didn't know that they, you could get cancer anywhere. I had no clue about that. So when I find out that it's a tumor, it could be malignant or benign. Then we find out it's benign. They originally diagnosed me with some, with um, it's called a nerve sheath tumor. Yeah. And I remember the doctor telling me, let's just hope and pray that it's not Ewing sarcoma, but it looks like a nerve sheath tumor. And I was like, okay, you know, well, that's <sighs> whatever the, you know, whatever the doctor said, I guess that's really great. At least I have the better of the evil. 
So yeah. now we have, I have, you know, I think I have a nerve sheet tumor. So from Germany to Walter Reed Medical Center, um, again, I talked, speaking to my mother and she tells me that she's going to quit her job. She's going to leave everything behind <sighs> and she's going to take, yeah, she's going to take my nephew Donovan, who is with my mom. He's two and a half, almost three. Uh, because my sister was also deployed in Iraq. So my sister was gone, deployed. We were both deployed, yes. And uh, I get to Walter Reed. I find out that it's not a nerve sheet tumor, that it's what the doctor said he didn't want it to be, which is Ewing sarcoma cancer. Um, and so everything changes dramatically because I've been researching a different type of cancer. Um, now I According to statistics, like I'm going to die, the doctors are coming in frequently. They're having me update my my will and make sure all my affairs are arranged. Doctors are coming in. Priests are coming in. Um, everyone literally thinks I'm, I'm not going to make it. So it was really very hard to pull myself out of a dark place when you go to the doctors for answers. And their answer is that you're going to die. So it was very hard at first. I cannot even imagine because mm -hmm. I, as I had mentioned to you earlier, I do know some people who, you know, unfortunately lost their, their battle, the Ewing sarcoma. And it's yeah. every, every cancer is very serious, but this, I can understand. I have heard doctors say, well, we want to be honest. I get that you want to be honest yeah. with the patient, but that also mm -hmm. doesn't sound like it gave you much hope. No, not at all. Again, because you, when something's wrong with you, you want to go to the doctors and you, you feel like they're going to give you the best educated answer. But because they had never seen the sarcoma, this, is, this was their first case. And even till now, I reached out to my old surgeon and doctors um, in 2019, and they said they had never come across the same case ever. So they didn't know what to expect. On paper, it looks really bad. So they were just basically preparing me that in the event that this does happen, you know, we don't know what else to tell you. We don't, we've never had a case like this. We don't know what to, what information to give you besides this looks very deadly, Okay, which is terrible. Oh my goodness. So you're now, um, you're now in, in Washington DC at Walter Reed mm -hmm. and yes. your mother and your nephew come out there and are with you. What's, what happens next? Do they take the tumor out? Like, how does it work? Mm -hmm. And Oh, at yeah. what point did this journey, I mean, you're here with us today and you're thriving. Like, mm -hmm. how did you go from there to here? Right. So when I finally get to Walter Reed, I have to do something called a bone marrow biopsy. Um, it's very painful. So basically this is, you know, I, I don't know if it's too much, but they break your back and you're awake and then they suck the bone marrow out. So they they do the bone marrow biopsy. They make sure that the cancer had not gotten to the bone because Ewing sarcoma has great potential to penetrate the bone, go in the bone. So I was clean and didn't have any of that um, happening for me. So it didn't metastasize to the bone, which is great. Okay. After that, I started treatment immediately. Um, I did 17 cycles, which was about 98 rounds of chemotherapy in less than about 10 months. So I started out extremely strong. I was literally throwing, playing baseball. I'm shooting basketballs. I'm having a good time. But by my fourth cycle treatment, I was in a wheelchair. I was not well. My hair was falling out. I was very ill, very sick, very weak. And I did treatment for 
five days on, eight days off, five days on, eight days off. And I just continued that the entire time. My mother was there with me. She was my huge, huge support system. Um, and it came to a point where we kind of kept the doctors out or the people who were um, really telling us the information that we wanted to hear, like, yes, you're going to live. Yes, everything's going to be okay. Be optimistic, you know, speak positive. So the doctors and the um, nurses that would come around to the rounds, we'd only let them if they were taking like um, um, getting my labs or yeah, like your vitals to have. Yeah. Um, so if they were just coming in to check up on me, we knew that they weren't really checking up on me. I was like a science project, really. So we didn't let them in. We kind of just kept all that negative negative out. And my mom sat me down and she's like, listen, we know that this is really hard. Um, you know, we believe in God. We have faith. We're going to beat this. I'm not going to let you down. I'm here for you. We have to change our mindset. We have to do this together. And it's at like that time frame that we totally changed everything that we were thinking about. I went from thinking that I was going to die every day to thinking, okay, when I'm finally finished with this, treatment is over. I'm going to be a miracle story. I'm going to share my story with everybody. I'm going to provide hope. And we would just constantly think about how we were going to make this story amazing and great. And that's when life totally changed for me. And I started responding better to the treatment. Of course, I'm sick and I'm not feeling well. But my my cancer started shrinking. Things started working. We started seeing positive results. So that's how... That I think that was towards the fourth, fifth treatment round, um, probably like April time frame. Um, so once that started happening, life totally changed. It took off and not in a good way because I was still sick. I was not happy or, you know, not feeling good. But at least I knew that I had a really great support system that was pushing me and letting me know that you're strong and we've been here before, not physically or, you know, figuratively because we've gone through so much hardship. Um, in the past in Hawaii, um, just letting me know that you can do it. I've seen what you can do. I, I know what you're made of, and we're going to do this together. Once all that started happening, I really um, started doing better, much better. And because of what I've gone through and my hardship and my experiences with cancer and just things in general with adversities in life, I've been able to use those experiences as like blueprints for future events that might come up or how can I deal with this situation um, in the past, how I dealt with it and how I can deal with it now better to help myself do better moves and prepare myself in the future. Well, wow. I am I, like, I'm tearing up now because of your story and what you have had to overcome and go through like the, the pain and anguish of chemo alone, let oh alone gosh, knowing yeah. that you lived in literally in a trauma war zone and mm -hmm. that you were uh, almost happy to be going to Germany where you're going to find out you have cancer, but just because you don't have that threat over you, it's like, wow, it's, yes. it's very intense. And the love of your mother, I mean, hear me sitting yes. here as a mother, I'm like, of course I understand that. And look at the, you know, in an odd sort of way, the gift that she is giving you by her presence and by her, yes. Um, yes. you know, look forward mentality. And while the odds were very slim, mm -hmm. it worked. Whatever it, worked. it might be, whatever, you know, I don't want to say formula because it's not really a formula. When it comes to cancer, sometimes it can be luck. Sometimes it's opportunity. Like sometimes it's the mm -hmm. medicine. Sometimes it's right. faith. Sometimes it's 
all of the above? Maybe we don't know the answer. Maybe we don't need to. Mm -hmm. Can you talk to us about what were some, like, how did you get a little bit of relief when you were going through such tough times? My, honestly, my relief was my mother, my secure assistant. And I was the only one on that ward who had somebody there 24-7. A lot of other people, they didn't have that opportunity, probably because, you know, people had to work, they have other lives, yeah. you know, they have jobs and stuff. So my support system, I feel like, was the driving force for me to live. She was reminding me to eat. She was she was there for me if I was crying, if I was sad. She was there for me if I wasn't feeling well. She was there for me. Like, she was my backbone. And then I was, when I first got to the ward, there was about 12 individuals, 12 different cancer patients. Majority of them were all from deployment. Um, every single one of them passed away. I was the only one left on that ward that survived. By the time the ward, by the time it was like November-ish timeframe, I think the ward had like three people on the ward that were very brand new, uh, brand new patients. Um, but I just, I give it to my mom. I feel like that is the reason why I was able to live. Her constantly reminding me to be positive, to be optimistic, to not fall into the clouds of my depression, to help me get out of that if I wasn't, if I was depressed. So that's why I always tell people when you're going through something such as mental health or your mental health is not at its peak or is not at its best performance, you need somebody who knows you the best to help bring the best back out because sometimes we can't even see it. Sometimes we get so lost and we get so depressed that it's so easy to just lock everything up and not want to come back outside or well, and it's hard. don't want to eat. It's yeah, hard to be vulnerable. And yes, so sometimes, sometimes, I mean, can you talk a little bit about that? Because yes. I think a lot of people don't want to burden, you know, I've heard that mm, so many times they don't want to yes. burden somebody else or, so yes. you, you know, I know you talk about vulnerability. Will you share that with mm -hmm. us and the beauty of yes. it? Yes. Yeah. So I discovered that during all my cancer that I had to take off my own superhero cape. I couldn't be my own hero. I needed somebody else to take care of me. I had to be okay with hanging it up, being vulnerable and kind of like submitting myself to vulnerability and being okay with people helping me and asking me questions and checking up on me and me feeling weak or me feeling like I can't do it today. I don't have the strength. And knowing that you have somebody to be there for you is so amazing because it gets hard when you're trying to do it yourself all the time and being independent and not having an outlet to speak to somebody or somebody pouring back into you. It gets really tiring. So I think it's amazing to be vulnerable, to express yourself, to say, hey, I'm not doing too well today. I need some help. I think it's amazing. And it's it's so beautiful that we're able to do that. And I don't know why society makes it seem as if it's a weakness. And I really feel like it's our strength because we're communicating with the other individual what's going on, what's going on with us internally because they can't see it. Well, and I also think that our friends and our family members, mm -hmm. well, especially when it's such trauma, mm -hmm. a lot of times they feel that people have communicated to me, they felt hopeless or helpless, excuse mm -hmm. me, helpless. Yeah. And mm -hmm. so when I would ask them to help, they actually felt like they could really purposefully help me. And mm -hmm. I, I think that's mm -hmm. huge too. Yes. Yes. 
Yes. I think the same thing for my mom. I was talking to her a couple of days ago about it. And I was like, do you think you were able to help him? She's like, yes, physically I was able, but I couldn't take your pain away. But for me, help her helping me physically was taking like the pain away. So it kind of worked out evenly, but she felt that her physically being there, her being able to help me walk because I was on a walker for a while, I was on a wheelchair for quite some time, um, her physically helping me. She felt like she wasn't doing enough emotionally because I was, you know, I'm sick. I'm not well. She can't take that right. sickness away. But her being there and her presence was really all I needed. It it helped me emotionally, physically, spiritually. It it did everything. So her just being there physically amended everything. Now, when we're when people go through hardship, whatever that mm-hmm. hardship might be, sometimes we go into this mental block, right? Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. how did did you? find that you had mental blocks? And if so, how did you get through them? Yeah. So during the time I was sick, I had a lot of mental blocks. Um, Again, I needed somebody to help pull me out of it. I wasn't strong enough to pull myself out. But learning that and seeing what was going on from hindsight now. So now, if I go through any mental blocks or um, I'm not doing well mentally, whatever that looks like mental health wise, I'm, I kind of sit in it and I accept it and I kind of like try to dissect it a bit. Like, why am I feeling like this? Where is this coming from? Where is the root cause? What is going on? And if it's longer than two or three days and I'm feeling like this, then I feel like I need to start journaling. I need to get it out. I need to start talking to other people and telling them what's going on with me because maybe they can help bring a different perspective that I can't see because it's me with the issue or the problem or it's me dealing with it. So I start outsourcing, you know, the resources for, for answers. And if that doesn't work, then I'll go to a professional yeah. who could help me. So I just try to dig and go as far as I can till I could get it gone. And if those aren't really good tools or resources for you, working out is really great. Meditating is really great. Again, journaling is really good, but just being in tune with your body and kind of sitting with yourself and figuring out what is going on and why it's happening. I think is really important so you can communicate not only with yourself, with others, but understanding why this is happening to you. I really like that approach because so many times we, as a society, want to fix whatever mm-hmm. doesn't feel right. right. And but, mm-hmm. oh, please jump in because I think yeah. I know what you're going to yeah. say. Yeah. So it's like, if you don't know what's going on, how do you fix that? And then yes. how do you fix it for the next time? Yes. How right. do you have the right tools? How do you know? Where, what, where, how do you have the instructions on how to beat that, that feeling again? How do you do that? If you just fix the problem and you don't really face it and say, oh my God, okay, this is why I'm feeling upset. It's because of this conversation. It made me feel this way. This is my trigger. Like, what are your triggers? You need to figure those out. So you're able to navigate in this world successfully. Wow. That, I mean, that makes so much sense. And I think, Mm -hmm. I think a lot about even just in life, on a normal day to day, not even hardship, not even necessarily necessarily trauma, is mm-hmm. that a lot? You know, a lot of people. I'm one of them. Like I fill my time. I don't spend time just being. And in, in latter mm-hmm. years, I've gotten better about that because I know I am focused on overall wellness, including mental wellness. And so I do. Mm-hmm. But it, it doesn't come as natural to me as like for me, clean eating was easy, easyish, mm-hmm. I should well. say. But <laughs> yeah. but when it when it came to the mental wellness part of it. 
I have to make a concerted effort to actually mm-hmm. spend time slowing down, sitting there because I'm wired to just like, you know, move, 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 do this, this, this. Right. And in this world where we're all busy and I, mean, I, shouldn't, I shouldn't say we're all I'm making a generalization where a lot of people in, mm-hmm. in my, you know, kind of community in my sphere mm-hmm. with what I do, you know, we, we all have busy schedules. And so mm-hmm. sometimes it's, you know, hardship or not spending some time to just be and kind of reflect on whatever it right. is that's going on in your life could be really po- a powerful first step wherever you're at in life. Exactly. And you get so much clarification when you do it right. So much, so much things start to make sense. Like the building blocks start building itself and you're like, Oh, that's what's going on. I love it. Like, so when I tell people you can meditate, you don't have to cross your legs and, you know, do your, however they do their fingers and right. by eye. Right, like, right. It could be literally like you're on the beach and you're just thinking about stuff and you're letting your, it's like a flow of information just going in. You're acknowledging some things, you're going deeper with others, some stuff you're not going to pay attention to. But it's just kind of like being one with your thoughts and what's going on and how you're feeling and checking in on yourself. And so I do that, excuse me, all the time. I'm constantly like I walk my dogs for four miles a day and we walk and I talk to myself and I check in and see how I'm doing and how I'm feeling and how, you know, just what is going on and why am I excited today and what made me excited or did I fall short somewhere? What what could I have done better? So I just, I meditate with everywhere I go, but I have to be alone by myself doing it. Well, a lot, you see a lot in the media about the importance of meditation, mindful thinking. And I think for those who haven't done it or don't make it a regular practice, I just believe just, just do it, right? Just jump Mm -hmm. in and try it. Find something that maybe works for you. I'll tell you, I, I couldn't sleep the other day. And I was like frustrated because I couldn't sleep. And you know, that goes around in your head like, oh, right. Um, yes. I can't sleep. What should I do? And, and so I downloaded, I love the Calm app, mm. but I didn't get the subscription. And that's what committed me. I And there's other apps that I love. I love Headspace. And I've had the subscription to that before. But in doing that, and I'll, and I'll tell you, it's, there's just so many different like simple tools that an app can help with. If you're sitting there mm. listening to this podcast thinking, I just don't even know how to get started. Um, mm. I knew it was there, the calm. And this time I just jumped in and said, I'm going to, I'm not just going to download it uh, or uh, upload, I should say, because I was going to get the subscription model, but I was trying some sleep stories. And mm. if anybody has the calm app, I love the Tabitha blue one, which is the one that I listened Ooh. to. So I need to try that. Um, I, I love it. There's just all sorts of tools out there that can help for those people that are resistant to it. But to your point, mm-hmm. I think it can be life changing. Like mm-hmm. the world may not slow down. You know, some people, this, their world can slow down, but having tools that can help mm-hmm. really can make it, a, I believe, can make it a change in, in your life. So um, right. I want to, we're talking tools here. I want to talk books. Um, I, I, okay. I would love for you to share what some of your favorite books are that have kind of inspired you to you know find joy and happiness. And then of course, right. after that, I want to ask about your book. Okay. I have a couple of different books that I'm reading. I don't know if they want to, I, I read a lot of stuff for like educational purposes. Yeah. So there's this one book called the purpose driven life by Rick 
Born that I'm reading. It's really great, really interesting. Um, and there's another one. Let me find the other one. <laughs> and for, you, have to go for all the it. listeners out there, I will put the links to the um, to these books in yeah. in the show notes. Yeah. So I don't know if they're going to want to read any of the books that I have. However, there's another one called Quantum Physics that I'm reading by Wallace F. Spear. Those are the only two books I'm reading okay. as of right Quantum now. Physics <laughs> by Walter who? Um, his his name is Wallace F. Spear. S-P-E-A-R-F Spear. Okay. And for mm-hmm. all of you who are listening right now, I would love if you have inspirational books when it comes to li- living the life that you want to live, right? Or mm-hmm. be more mindful, please send them to us or to me at Pretty Wellness on Instagram because I love to showcase. I look at us as like we're just a community of people that mm-hmm. want to take one foot and foot in front of the other and live a healthier and happier life. And so that's why I love sharing these stories like yours. You've done so much. You're such a force of nature for yourself. Now, uh, talk about your book, because I think that's where I want to know how the story, not how it ends, because clearly it's going to go on (laughs) for many decades. But so you get through chemotherapy Mm -hmm. and are you writing throughout? Did you know that there was a book there? Can you tell us about the book yeah. and and how you got to where you are now. Yeah, so it all started um, because again, the doctors were coming in and everybody thought I was going to die. And I was really upset that I was going to pass away at 24 years old. My nephew's only two and I was going to grow a relationship with him. I wouldn't be able to go to his soccer games, watch him grow up, you know, his first dances and lose his first tooth. Like my family and I are really close. So very upset that this was a great potential that was going to happen to me. And I wanted to leave something for him in the event that I did pass away and I wasn't, I wasn't going to live and the doctors were going to be correct. So I started journaling and the book started out as a journal. So we would, I would just journal about what was happening, what was going on with him, how he was feeling, what he was dressed like, how I was feeling, just documenting as much information as possible. So if I passed away, he had something tangible in his hand that was from me for him. So if I'm not going to be able to be there for him physically, there'll be something for him that I left behind. Yeah. So it started out as a journal and I didn't know it was going to be a book. I had no clue. But again, as I mentioned earlier, as my mother and I started changing our thought process and being more optimistic, I made a promise to myself that if I got to live, that I was going to change this journal into a book. I had no idea how I was going to do this. I didn't have any experience in writing books. I was still working on my my bachelor's degree. I had literally no idea how to do this, but I just had a goal. This is what I want to do. Um, so then after I get out of the military, I joined a, um, a master's program. It's called Savannah College of Art and Design. Mm-hmm. And I use my journal as my thesis. So I'm getting them to update my content for me, my, you know, my journal. It's, we're making it into a manuscript. I have them go over it. They love it. They're crying. They think it's great. It's amazing. And they're like, Brandy, you really need to publish this, but you have to finish it. I'm like, it's done. <laughs> like, I don't want to have to revisit this anymore. Like, this is, it's finished. So I took their notes. I incorporated everything. And then I did a self-publishing. Um, process 
And I published my book in 2018. And that's how it all came about. Wow. It's dedicated. Yeah, it's, it's my nephew was my driving force behind everything. Wow, that is, it's amazing. And it, it hits so close to my heart because it was meant for your legacy. But in doing that as this gift to your nephew, it's also mm-hmm. helping out so many people. Right. Because that's what you're that's what you're trying to do. At what point did you know that you were going to be okay? Did you get, you know, walk out of the cancer ward and they say, wow, you're a miracle and you're done? Like how (laughs) I I mean, I I, I say that sarcastically because I I know that can't be the case. But I just, you you know, this is such a dire diagnosis and you're still Mm -hmm. living and thriving now 10 years Mm -hmm. later. Yeah. So they, so after I did my treatment, um, I didn't find out until about September timeframe that I was, uh, I had no cancer. So even though I was cancer free in September in 2009, I still had to continue out my treatment with the, um, with the military or, you know, with my, with the, right. with the hospital. Right. So it took, I think maybe like six months. So six months of treatment going through everything. They removed a massive, huge portion of my leg. So they took out my entire adductor muscle. So literally one leg is regular, you know, thick, thicker. The other one's very thin and small because the inner muscle is missing. And it's about six pounds that they removed out of my leg. Um, So I didn't walk out because I was too weak. I was being pushed around in a wheelchair for sure. But during the September timeframe is when we discovered that everything was fine. I was cancer-free. And the craziest thing is that when they told me I was cancer-free, it was just like, I was so numb. I couldn't, like, I was, you know, it's just like, oh, okay, cool. And my mom was crying so (laughs) hard. She was bawling and she was grabbing me and holding me. And she was like, we did it. We (laughs) did it. And I was like, yeah, like, I guess. I was just, I had so much treatment going on. I was under so much stress. It's just everything was moving so quickly, so yeah. fast. I was just like, I can't even grasp what is happening. Yeah. Like, I, I just, I really, I couldn't put it all together. But that's when I was cancer free was September in 2009. I think it was the 23rd of that month. But um, my mom was bawling like a baby. She was so happy. <laughs> so, and she kept saying, we did it, Brandon. We <laughs> did it. I know it was, it was sweet of her, but. I probably need to give the reactions that the doctors would have liked to hear. I was just like, you know, kind of out of it. A lot of medication going through me. Right. Of course. Of course. I am just so in awe of mm-hmm. your story and so wowed that you're here with us, literally mm-hmm. and figuratively here with us. Yes. Because yes. I know it, it, it's such a, a hard road and you had so many different <sighs> obstacles in your way. What, mm-hmm. uh, what can you tell people that now knowing what you know, knowing that you have a different outlook on life, mm-hmm. what can you share with other people about them, about mindset and how they can, you know, we talked a little bit about mental blocks, but how do you go from being in a place of such fear, whether it's through your trauma mm-hmm. or just the day to day to being in a place where you can be positive and be happy. Right. Right. I think it's all about accepting it and knowing for, at least for cancer, for me, 
uh, once I was able to accept what happened to me, I was a totally different person, but it took years to do it because when I was going through treatment, I was fighting to stay alive. Like I was fighting to keep my old life. I wanted to be the Brandy Benson that was prior before cancer, but I had to realize that that individual that I was fighting for, that I wanted to be so bad, she was dead. She was gone. There was no, that Brandy was nowhere to be found again. And it was so hard to accept that there was a new person stepping in because I had to get to know the new Brandy. What what does she like to do? What can she do? What are her limits? What, you know, what is she great at now? So I had to really like do some self loving and digging around and accepting that this old Brandy's gone. Now I'm going to either live this life of depression and be so sad and unhappy, which doesn't make me feel good. Or I can accept that this happened. That's part of my story. It's not my entire, it's not the entire book. There's many more chapters ahead and I can make and create new chapters and be the Brandy that I want to be now in this new body of mine. So it was really just about accepting what happened and not being the victim. And I know that sounds a little harsh sometimes, but that's what I did. I just was like, I'm tired of complaining about it. I want to be happy. I want to be proud of what my body and my leg went through. It went through so much trauma to be here. Why am I upset? Why am I scared? Why am I not proud of my leg and and what it it looks like and what it's gone through? I feel like this is like a masterpiece. (laughs) Like I'm here. I shouldn't be here. Well, and, so I had to change everything. And to your point mm-hmm. earlier, so much of those mindset, act, you know, act, mm-hmm. modalities, activities could really help in actually feeling the acceptance, not just saying it, but really, yeah. really feeling it. So tell us before, um, mm-hmm. before we play my favorite way to end the episode, I want to mm-hmm. know like, yeah. what does the Brandy now love to do? What makes her happy? I love... When people reach out to me on social media and they ask for, I get a lot of questions for the, from the cancer community, just about, they tell me the story. I love giving them hope. I love telling them that there's a miracle story everywhere. And those are the stories we pull hope from. Why can't you be that story that everybody pulls miracles and hope from to, to survive? And the answer is everybody can, we all have that in us, in us. So don't give up on yourself. Don't, um, when our back is against the wall, you really, really see your true strength. And I feel like we are so much stronger mentally than we honestly really know. Um, and and it, we only discover this when like our back is against the wall, which is not really great, but we're a lot stronger than we think. And we can endure and handle so much more. And don't beat, don't start the race before it, it already starts. Some people already think they're going to fail and they haven't even started the race. They haven't even started treatment. They haven't started anything, but they've set up so many roadblocks for themselves that they can't even get over those humps or those lumps now. So I feel like being positive and setting up positive positivity is very important um, with recovery, just in general in life. That is so beautiful. And you can tell your energy level, like you're so authentically passionate about it because Mm -hmm. I can, you know, you just... I can see you smiling, even though for a little bit behind the curtain here for all the listeners, uh, it's like we're talking on the phone like we're two old friends. Uh, granted, like I've got a microphone and a soundboard here and she's on the phone, but I, I don't do it with video. 
mm-hmm. you know, for a whole slew of different reasons. But um, so I'm not actually looking at her and I can just, but I can envision you smiling right now as you're talking about yeah. that. So I yeah. just want to say I'm, I'm incredibly grateful for you taking the time out of your schedule today to share your story with the listeners. I know that we could talk for a few more hours because I know um, you've got so many (laughs) stories behind the stories and this story in itself is just so, um, you know, it could have gone so many different directions and it's really empowering to hear that as dark Mm -hmm. as it was, that you were Mm -hmm. able to find that light and that helped you get through and that helps you continue to get through whatever hardships might be going on in life. So I end each episode with what uh, we call the grateful game. So I'm wondering mm-hmm. if you would be willing to play and I will tell you how to do it. I would love to hear. I want to play. Yay. <laughs> um, so for all the listeners out there, if you're new to me, I play the grateful game at the end of each episode. And here's why. Because I truly believe, I've read, I've seen in studies that when one focuses on positivity, whether they're mm-hmm. going through hardship or just trying to get through the day to day, it can help change their mood, which in terms can help heal, can help you get through the day a little bit easier. I know that anecdotally. And like I said, there have been studies about gratitude and positivity. Now, the mm-hmm. way that works in my life is that my son and I, a few years ago, decided to start or decided, I should say, I decided that we were going to talk about gratitude before bed because I had one of those gratitude list books and he was nine. (laughs) And so he was like, okay, mom. And he, you know, and he actually knew it would be a way to stay up later. So we started playing, but it got a little cumbersome and, you know, you want your kid to start to fall asleep, not with the light on while we're writing these lists. So we just lay down in bed. We would talk about our day and we talk about what we're grateful for and why. And Mm -hmm. he would time me. And I would time him and we would see who came up with the most ideas, right? Oh, wow. And so that's why we called it the Grateful Game. So I, you know, in recent years, it's been a little bit more like, you know, I don't want to, I don't want to necessarily rush the conversation with him. So he, I throw it out there. How many ideas do you want me to talk about today? And the beauty of creating some sort of daily or most day practice is that you go, you end up going through your day looking for good things that you want to share with a loved mm-hmm. one. Now, whether you mm-hmm. do this in the morning or middle of the day or at night for Kyle, for it works for us best doing it at night. It's our way. And it's just been a beautiful way that we connect and we share what we're grateful for and why. And so that's what I want to do here with you. I'm going to give us about 30 seconds each. And know if you go over, I always go over. I can <laughs> never keep it to 30 seconds. But uh-huh. um, it's just, a, I, I think it's a great way that we can end out our time together. And hopefully for you listeners right now, take this as a moment to think about what you're grateful for. And by the way, I encourage you, and I myself, it's not going to be necessarily about something that's huge because of course, mm-hmm. Brandy and I are grateful that we are living. I am a stage four breast cancer survivor thriving mm-hmm. eight years, almost eight years after the diagnosis. Like, and, wow. and she as a Ewing sarcoma survivor and thriver, like these are huge obstacles. We are grateful, but I'm looking for the little things because sometimes when you're down in the dumps, you just need something little to put a smile on your face. And so I'm going to start here. Okay. My 30 seconds are, I am going to say, because I'm looking at them right now, I'm really grateful for Apple AirPods because (laughs) I was not sold on them because I'm, oh my goodness, another expensive device that I need. I don't need it. Now you listen, you don't need it, 
but they are really, I love to walk my dog and to be in nature. I love Mm. to walk around the house and actually I should say, I don't love to walk around the house and do like the chores and things like that. But Mm. when you put an AirPod or any, you know, headset that's not connected, I'm able, mm-hmm. I do dishes with, with a little pep in my step sometimes or laundry because mm-hmm. I've got the ease of it. And it really is helpful. I listen to podcasts that way or sometimes days of our lives, which, you know, we'll go on to number two, which is for me, days of our lives. It's embarrassing. I know that I've been, I don't want to say watching every day. I haven't, but sometimes when I've got tons of loads of laundry to fold, I put in an AirPod and I listen to days of our lives. I have been like connected to them since the eighth grade, which by the way, as you know, was not last week. So I've been Mm. watching for a long time and you can go months without watching a soap opera. You still kind of, you know, the characters, I know their voices. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. so I'm going to close it out by saying, you know, I know I've got a lot of laundry to do. And so I I am looking forward to, and I'm guessing tonight when I play the grateful game with my son. um, And I can tell you that that is something that I'm grateful for today. So I am going to toss it to you. Okay. I am grateful for many things, of course. Um, So I'm grateful that the job that I'm at right now um, hired me back in January. It's called Snow Companies. I'm a senior account manager over there because business got really slow with my other business resume advantage. Um, Snow Companies, we were a patient engagement company, and they truly care about sharing the ambassadors or the patient stories with other individuals who are going through Parkinson's disease, sickle cell, or whatever the disease state is. So I'm very grateful to be in a space like this because I feel like it matches up exactly with my mission that I'm doing in life. Um, I'm also really grateful for the Sarcoma Alliance. Um, They've allowed me to be their brand ambassador. So we're working together to spread awareness about sarcoma cancer, not only Ewing sarcoma, but sarcoma cancer in general. Very excited about that. Um, I'm very grateful to be on the phone with you to share my story with your listeners right now. Um, hopefully we're able to get through them and give them some, some gold nuggets about being optimistic and positive and how that can change their life dramatically. I am, what else am I, I'm really, um, I'm looking at my bed, um, my bed. I love my bed so much. I wish it was like, I don't know, an event because that's like the place I'm the happiest yeah. at. I love to rest. I like to sleep. <laughs> I look forward to it. Um, clean house is also really oh, great. I feel yes. like I can think so much better. Yeah. I'm really grateful for my plants. They're beautiful. They provide oxygen. They help yeah. um, filter out my air. Um, how much time do we have? Wow. You, well, okay. We, we went over 30 seconds, but I love, okay. see, isn't it a beautiful thing? Like sometimes you just yes. look around you and you see beauty, you see possibility, yes. you see purpose, you, yes. and we can be yes. grateful for it all. So I encourage everybody who's listening right now just to try, play the grateful game with someone that you like or love. And, mm-hmm. and if you can do it regularly, I, it, it, to me, it's been a way to connect with my son and to help us both be more mindful and connected to the positivity in our lives. Because when life is hard, it's hard. And when you have tools, it can help make it easier. So thank you, Brandy, so much for being here today. I am so grateful that you're here and thank you to all the listeners for joining us. I I am so inspired by, by your story and of the lessons that you share. And Mm -hmm. 
you know, please everybody out there, stay in touch. If you have any questions, you know, you can always reach out at Pretty Wellness on Instagram. I am wishing you all tons, tons, tons of happiness and great health. Bye for now. Thank you so much for joining us today. I want to leave you with a quick thought, but first a request. Please take a minute to rate, review, and subscribe. You leaving a review helps us with our podcast ranking. The higher we are ranked, the more people can discover our show. And tell your friends about us. If you love us, they might too. Thanks again for joining us today. Please stay in touch. Reach out to us at Pretty Wellness on Instagram with questions or comments. I am sending you lots of happiness and great health. Bye for now.